0: Ransomware afflicts vulnerable FortiGate VPN servers. Distance learning in France stumbles due to sudden high demand and possibly also because of cyber attacks. Hafnium's attack on Microsoft Exchange servers may have been long in preparation and may have used data obtained in earlier breaches. The Commerce Department adds seven Chinese organizations to its entity list. 5G security standards in the U.S. are said likely to emphasize zero trust. Atlantic Media discloses a breach of employee data. Caleb Barlow from Synergist Tech with a clever way of thinking about ransomware preparedness. Our guest is Amit Kanfer from Build Security on Authorization, a problem he says remains mostly unsolved. And emissions testing stations in some U.S. states remain down. From the Cyberwire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your Cyberwire summary for Thursday, April 8th, 2021. Researchers at the security firm Kaspersky say they've found a strain of ransomware, they call it Kring, being actively deployed against vulnerable Fortigate VPN servers. The vulnerability, for which patches are now available, renders the servers susceptible to directory transversal attacks, during which attackers can obtain session files from the VPN gateway. Such files contain useful information, including usernames and plain text passwords. The attackers first worked to gain control over the targeted system, beginning with reconnaissance, then performing test connections to ensure that a vulnerable instance of the software was running. Once gaining initial access, the attackers installed Mimikatz to steal account credentials used to log into the compromised system. After the domain administrator account was obtained, the next steps involved distributing the cobalt strike beacon backdoor to other systems on the victim's network. At that point, they were ready to install Kring ransomware and encrypt the victim's files. The usual sort of ransom note was delivered. Kring is noteworthy for its deployment against manufacturing facilities. At least two factories in Italy, Cyberscoop reports, have been affected. The companies are unnamed, but their production has been disrupted. The protective advice is clear. If you're using Fortinet VPN, update the server. Online education networks in France are suffering from the strains of an abrupt switch to distance learning this week. In addition to the stresses on a network one might expect from a sudden surge in use, the systems are also believed to have been targeted by hackers. Prosecutors are investigating. The Washington Post reports. The attacks by Chinese operators on vulnerable Microsoft Exchange server instances appear, according to the Wall Street Journal, to have been long under preparation. In particular, investigators are leaning toward a theory that holds Hafnium's operation was prepared by mining troves of personal information acquired beforehand. That would explain the surprising speed with which the compromise progressed. It also revives concerns about the effects of past Chinese collection of personal data in such breaches as those at the U.S. Office of Personnel Management, Marriott, and Equifax. The journal quotes U.S. Deputy National Security Advisor for Cyber and Emerging Technology Anne Neuberger as saying, quote, we face sophisticated adversaries who we know have collected large amounts of passwords and personal information in their successful hacks. Their potential ability to operationalize that information at scale is a significant concern, end quote. Another point worth considering in relation to Hafnium's operation is the value that even older personal data can have, especially when it's in the hands of a patient and well-resourced intelligence service. The Times of India reports that General Bipin Rawat, chief of India's defense staff, said yesterday that the country was working to counter the cyber threat from China and that India was itself developing offensive capabilities in response to that threat. The general said, quote, what we are trying to do is to ensure cyber defense. We have therefore created a tri-service cyber defense agency to ensure that even if we come under a cyber attack, the downtime and effect don't last long. End quote. He was disinclined to discuss projected offensive capabilities, but he did say that India was somewhere there. He hopes to be able to turn India's strong private sector IT capabilities to use in developing a full-spectrum defense against multi-domain attacks. The U.S. Department of Commerce has added seven Chinese organizations to the entity list the Department's Bureau of Industry and Security maintains. The Commerce Department said, These entities are involved with building supercomputers used by China's military actors its destabilizing military modernization efforts, and or weapons of mass destruction programs. Organizations on the entity list are subjected to various restrictions on their trade. As the department puts it, the point of placement on the entity list is to restrict the export, re-export, and in-country transfer of items subjected to the Export Administration regulations to persons, individuals, organizations, and companies, Reasonably believed to be involved, have been involved, or pose a significant risk of being or becoming involved in activities contrary to the national security or foreign policy interests of the United States. Additional license requirements apply to exports, re-exports, and in-country transfers of items subject to the Export Administration regulations to listed entities, and the availability of most license exemptions is limited." According to Breaking Defense, U.S. NSA Executive Director Noble says the public-private consortium developing standards for 5G security intends to emphasize the importance of zero trust. The standards, collectively called the Enduring Security Framework, are the work of a public-private partnership among the National Security Agency, Other organizations within the Defense Department, the Department of Homeland Security, and in particular the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, the intelligence community, and companies within the U.S. IT sector and the defense industrial base. The Enduring Security Framework is intended to address threats and risks to the security and stability of U.S. national security systems and critical infrastructure. NSA's contribution lies in its cybersecurity and cryptographic expertise, Zero trust will be particularly important for 5G, Noble said, because of the technology's high speed and the large distributed attack surface presented by its many IoT nodes. Atlantic Media, currently a minority shareholder in The Atlantic and formerly the corporate owner, has detected unauthorized access to servers that hold employee records. And finally, emissions testing in several U.S. states continues to be out due to a cyber attack, Boston 25 News reports. Testing stations now hope to be back up on Monday. Managing the requirements for modern security programs is increasingly challenging and time-consuming. Enter Vanta. CyberWire Daily listeners can get $1,000 off by going to vanta.com slash cyber. That's v-a-n-t-a dot com slash cyber. authorization and authentication are often thought of hand in hand as integrated parts of a permission structure within a security framework amit kanfer is ceo at build security and he makes the case that authorization is an area with plenty of room for improvement
1: yeah i think it's uh if it's not clear enough authentication you know is the mechanism where you authenticate a user you want to know or or a service it doesn't have to be a user where you want to know who is interacting with your api with your application uh, authorization is the other side of the coin where you want to know what is this once authenticated what is this user or service can do within my application or api and and i suppose i mean the the two often go hand in hand right yeah often they go hand in hand because usually you do you authenticate to a service and then there are many authorization requests that go out between you and the service you're interacting with in order to understand what kind of user interface to show you, for example, what are the APIs you can interact with, whether you're allowed to make a certain action on a certain asset or a resource. So for example, when you log into a bank, you log in once, but then there are many, many tabs and actions that you can perform. And each one of those actions could be allowed or denied according to your um, a long list of attributes. Whether you're an employee of the bank, whether you are uh, just an end user of the bank, whether you are from the IT service of the bank, uh, goes on and on. Right, right. I
0: suppose. Uh, I mean, is, is it accurate to say that one of the challenges that, that you face in this sort of situation is that you know there are so many special cases where there's there are many exceptions that I suppose. Uh, you naturally have to deal with.
1: Yes, there are many exceptions and all policy logic tends to be uh, very complex and cumbersome to maintain. Uh, there, are, And then, you know, people change roles in the companies and then that logic stays and uh, it's very hard. Uh, basically, it's very hard. It boils down to being very hard to maintain and very... In coupled in the application itself, uh, which is also a, a challenge. How to decouple that logic outside because it's not it's not the business logic of of the company. It's it's a policy. So why not to decouple it from from the application? So that's uh, that's a trend we're seeing lately.
0: So what do you suppose the future looks like for this? In an ideal world, how would people be dealing with their authorization?
1: I think in an, in an ideal world. Authorization will be distributed, centrally managed, but enforced in a distributed manner. Each application has its own uh, authorization server that runs right beside it, very close to it, in it, with a low latency and high throughput mechanisms. And that centrally central management should be a single pane of glass to all the policies in the organization, Uh, imagine where you can have hierarchy between different policies so you can think about corporate level policies and then business units and then departments where they can extend the corporate level policies and add more restrictions to it but do not override it testing and playground treating policies really as code integrated with your Git uh, with your version control system uh, so that that would be an ideal situation.
0: That's Amit Kanfer from Build Security. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Caleb Barlow. He is the CEO at Synergistech. Uh, Caleb, I wanted to check in with you when it comes to ransomware and and, uh, your thoughts on organizations best preparing themselves for the possibility, and I suppose some would say inevitability, of having to deal
2: with something like this. What what do you have for us today? Okay, Dave, so uh, a warning in place. This is a bit cheesy. But And I'm not going to admit if a beer or two is involved in this, but my team came up with actually a really interesting way to think about how you're prepared for ransomware that I thought I'd share. All right. And and this is very pandemic-esque. But Mm. what we found actually, as cheesy as this is, it has really become a great tool for explaining to executives what you need to do to really prevent ransomware. So the first thing, just like the pandemic, is we need testing, Dave. So, you know, and why do we test, you know, for coronavirus? Well, to know if someone's infected. And that's where compromise assessments come in, right? So your your analog for testing is a compromise assessment. It's something that I think, especially as we're coming on the other side of the pandemic and companies have opened up their networks and people are working from home, getting compromise assessments are a really good idea. Hmm, okay, what next? All right, how about some social distancing, Dave? (laughs) <laughs> I'm all for it. You're a, little, you're a little too close. Can you back up?
0: Yeah, exactly. i just back off my mic here. So,
2: you know, the same thing with kind of limiting the spread of COVID. We need to social distance our networks. And what does that mean? Well, network segmentation. And, and it kills me. I mean, when I go in and do a security assessment, I, I start asking quite, well, how segmented is your network? Well, what do you mean? Mm. You know, if if there's an infection in one portion of your network, can it get into others? And we spend a lot of time in hospitals. It is not uncommon at all for the surgical wing in the hospital to be on the same network segment in an academic medical center as the dorm room. And that's a, you know, any security professional listening to this just cringes at that. So we've Hmm. got to socially distance our networks. Okay. So how about some contact tracing, Dave? (laughs) You know, we need early warning signs, right? And that's where endpoint detection response comes in. You know, your classic EDR tools, get in there, find that issue early, but contact trace it to figure out who else talked with that endpoint and is likely also infected.
0: Uh Uh-huh.
2: All right. What's next? How about some masks, Dave? Ah, So okay. Now, now this one isn't quite as good of an analogy, but, you know, masks, I think, are a lot like multi-factor authentication, right? In that... You know, you've got to have that extra barrier and MFA. But here's the thing I think most people aren't prepared for when it kind of comes to ransomware. They might have multi-factor on, let's say, their VPN. You need multi-factor on everything. And what I tell people now is, if you can log into anything at work without having to do an MFA challenge, you have a problem. Now, that doesn't hmm. mean every time you log into Outlook, you've got to you know, get a text on your mobile phone. But certainly every time you log in from a new computer or a new browser, you need to be doing that. Right, right. Can you guess what's next, Dave? Uh oh! Or have we
0: reached vaccination yet?
2: No, vaccination is okay. not on the list.
0: Oh, okay. All right, so, go All right, sorry, how, I jumped the gun.
2: You jumped the gun. It's okay. It was a good try. How about scrubs and <laughs> how about scrubs and gowns? Right. And, oh, okay. And this is where kind of you know we need separation of duties with privileged access management. Right. Everybody's got to be a little bit isolated than from everybody else. And the thing with Pam tools. Is what we really want to see to prevent ransomware is admin IDs are not used for anything other than administering the single system of which they're assigned. The admin Mm. can't also be using their admin ID for checking their email and everything else. That's just not cool anymore. I see. All right. Any more? Yeah. How about a checkup? So we we need a. Just (laughs) like you go to the doctor, you need a checkup. And that's yeah. where security control validation comes in. You know, let's not just look at your controls. Let's actually make sure they're working by launching inoculated attacks in the environment, seeing how the people, the processes, and the tools respond. And the last thing, Dave, we need a treatment mm. plan, right? So mm. like anything else, if you get infected, we've got to have a plan to treat you. And that's where runbooks come in. And we've got to practice and rehearse those runbooks over and over and over again until they're muscle memory. So that's, that's our cheesy prep on how to prevent ransomware, Dave. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go get
0: us a bottle of wine, Caleb, to go with that cheese. But uh, I, it's good. It's good. <laughs> it's good. I, I'm a fan of analogies, so you okay. got. Yeah, I'm sold. I'm sold. If if it helps people remember these things, more power to you. <laughs>
2: hey, I just want to know anybody that uses that to explain it to the CEO. I promise you, it'll work, even though they'll laugh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. Whatever it takes, Caleb Barlow. Thanks for joining us. and that's the cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at the And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. It could change your whole way of life. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker too.